0: Alright, welcome to uh, some new faces that I see, and to those who are not new faces. What we're doing here is we are going through our 10 core values as a church in this series we're calling We Are STSA, which is the name of our church, St. Timothy, St. Athanasius. And we have been talking about our core values as a church, and forgive me, those who have been here every week are going to hate my guts because I say it every single week, but I'm going to continue to say it every single week because I feel it's that important, that God has not called us to be an ordinary church. God has called us to be an extraordinary church and do extraordinary things. So in order to achieve those extraordinary things, we must become extraordinary people and we must hold ourselves to a higher bar. So from that point, that's where we start with our core values. And we've been looking at our core values here at St. Tim's. And the picture that I drew for you guys is a picture of a mountain. We start on one side of the mountain, we climb up the mountain, and then we descend back down the mountain. And now I did this last week and you probably don't want me to do this again, but I'm going to do this again, okay? You have a little piece of paper, okay, and this, uh, at the bottom of the paper, there's extra room this time. So that way everyone can take the next one minute, 60 seconds, and write down as many of the core values as you can figure out in order. You get bonus points for in order. Ready, set, go. If you're looking at me right now, that's probably not a good sign. <laughs> you're probably going to get too many right. Go. Core values. Go, 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 go. We've done seven so far. Go. A lot of looking around. Not a lot of looking down. (laughs) I'll let you. You can converse with your neighbor. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. You can look at your. You. You can converse. That's fine. Group project. One of these days I'm really gonna have a real prize when we do this, okay? Not just the old surprise. Come see me afterward. (laughs) All right, let's go, you guys done? in 60 seconds, probably. All right, raise your hand if you can get at least one. Thank God. Raise your hand if you can get two. Keep it up if you can get two. Three, keep it up. Four. All right, all right, we're getting there, we're at 50%, five, all right, still some of five, six, well, how did you not have five, but you have six, <laughs> you have six, okay, so people have you got six, seven, anyone got all seven, all right, very good, that's impressive, well I can get all ten, so I still win the contest, so, all right, our first core value here at St. Timothy St. Athanasius Church is, say it with a loud voice. Limitless acceptance. We accept every single person because every single person is sent by God, okay? And we accept them as such because we are the body of Christ. We, we accept people as Christ would accept them because we are Christ on earth. Number two. I'm sorry. Number two. Authentic, authentic, community. authentic community. We don't just accept people, say hi, and send them back out. We want to integrate every single person into an authentic community. We're called to be an authentic family. Not just a group of people who just happen to see each other every week but don't go beyond depth. Number three transformational communal worship is that we're not a social club, we're not a country club. All right? We're not just a bowling team that meets together weekly. We are a group of people who are centered around the real presence of the body of blood in Christ every time we meet. And we, if we are not transformed by His presence in our midst, something ain't right. Either He's not doing His job, unlikely, or we're not doing something right, much more likely. Number four, Passionate pursuit of God. Our worship of God does not stop when we leave the church. It continues on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And we seek to worship God. Not just inside the church, but through our Bible reading, through our giving, through our conversations, through everything we do, we seek to live passionate lives of God because He's passionate for us and He's worthy of it. Number five, the top, the pinnacle of the mountain, is when we get to a point where we live a life of... Christ-like integrity. Christ-like integrity, where what we say matches what we do and what we are. We're not hypocrites. All that we're saying, we live it. We said this is the pinnacle. This is where God wants us to live. But God doesn't just want us to live at this point and just live for ourselves. Now that we've scaled the mountain, now we're going to cruise back down the mountain, and the fruit of everything that happened on this side will be on this side. Sixth core value is? Faith-filled, Faith-filled vision. Faith-filled vision. Okay, that was a little weak response to that one. Faith-filled vision. is now that we've reached the mountaintop, we know who God is, and we're not going to come back down the mountain and live in the same way as before. We know our God is a big God. He's a huge God. He's an extraordinary, large God. And that week we talked about it. We talked about the sun and the moon and the stars, and how they're all very, very, very small, and they're huge, but they're very small in God's hands. We rely on that God to do miracles, and we believe in the power of prayer, and we live a life of faith because that's who our God is. And now that we believe in that great big God, that awesome God, that amazing God, is going to be easy to do the seventh core value, which is that we become people of irrational generosity. irrational generosity because we are not operating based on the time and scope that we see around us. We're not operating on dollars and cents. We're operating in 30, 16 100 fold on stuff. So people are going to look and say, "You guys are crazy generous with your money. Crazy generous with your time. Crazy generous in the way that you guys are giving and sacrificing." We're say, "We're not doing anything because what we're receiving It really is more blessed to give than to receive when we really believe that. And now we're going to get to our eighth core value of today, which is on your handout, which is stewardship of talents and gifts. And then you see the last two, call to evangelism and love for community. Again, the up and then the down. We're entering here, we're climbing the mountain, God is investing in us. We reach the mountaintop and now, God, all that has been invested in us, should bear fruit, and it's our gift back, that we live a life of faith, a life of generosity, a life of stewardship, a life of love, a life of evangelism. So this is the building of us, and this is the going back out, and the results of what it should look like. So for today, the eighth core value here at St. Timothy and St. Athanasius Church is faithful stewardship of my talents and gifts. We believe that each one of us is entrusted by God with specific talents and specific gifts, it is our duty to use those gifts to further Christ's mission on earth. This is the first time that we've been discussing core values that we've seen the word duty. Other than that, we didn't see duty. Now we see the word duty because now we have a duty to be faithful what God has given to us and today is going to be a serious one. Let me take a step back. Let me give you my own little editorial all right, on one of the biggest mistakes in my personal opinion that the church has made. The church, okay, when I say the church, I'm meaning like the churches that are all around, the people representing the churches. One of the biggest mistakes that we make inside the churches, especially as like leaders of the churches, is not appreciating the diversity and the differences of talents and gifts and the uniqueness of every single person. This has been something that I personally, this is just my editorial rant, okay? So I'll rant, and then I'll get back into the Bible, but I'll just go with my rant. We, all of us, have been trained to think that there is a right way, like this is what spirituality is. It's this. And we look at this, and we say, okay, this is what everyone has to look like. And we try to get everyone to fit into that mold. And in doing so, we end up, A, of course, Denying the gifts that God has given to all kinds of people, but also excluding a bunch of people who don't necessarily fit this mold. And then the other problem is that I have a certain place where I think this is how I've always been, so I think this is the best. You think this is the best. So one of us, if we're going to have that mentality, has to be right, and one of us has to be wrong. We have this idea that has to be a first place, a second place, a third place and a fourth place. But I don't think that's God how God is. I think God likes diversity, and God likes variety, and God likes differences you know how I know that God likes it? Because He's the one who created it. Let me ask you this question. Who's more spiritual? St. Peter or St. John? St. Peter. <laughs> okay, let's see the next question I got on here. Okay, St. Peter or St. Anthony? St. Anthony. <laughs> His name is Peter, that's why he said that. Okay, for everyone else, okay. let's go to St. Paul or, or St. John? Who's the more spiritual? Can we say now we're saying now John over here saying Saint John, okay? Saint Bartholomew or Saint Titus, okay? <laughs> Any Bartholomew <laughs> or Titus is in the room? <laughs> Who's more spiritual? Can you say that one is more spiritual than the other? And Saint John, what's wrong with you? Why do you keep talking about love, love, love in your epistle? You should be writing about faith like Saint Peter. One day, hopefully Saint John, you'll be spiritual like Saint Peter. And maybe St. Peter's in his room and his his spiritual guide is telling him, hey, what's all this faith business you're talking about? Look at St. John. He's stealing all our thunder. He's talking about love. He's getting all the attention and all the glory. Go talk about love. If St. Peter had been St. John, if St. John had been St. Peter, everyone would have been a loser. Who's more spiritual? Moses or Joshua? Who's more spiritual? Who's more spiritual? Uh, David or Samuel? David and Samuel was very, very different. One was a warrior, a fighter. The other one just stayed in his room and prayed all day. Which one's better? Forget about all those Bible people. Let's do modern day. Who's greater, Billy Graham or Mother Teresa? <laughs> it depends. Is the people who God has programmed to be service, 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 service. Say, no one's higher than Mother Teresa. And the people that God has put evangelism and preaching and spreading the gospel. Say, Billy Graham's the best. What I'm trying to say is that there's none the best and we need to appreciate the variety and the diversity that God has created. Here's what I'm going to say today. And listen carefully to this. Especially you competitive people who are in the room. You who are competitive. What we do is we take our competitive spirit and we apply it to spirituality. I want to be the most spiritual. And this is the spirit. So I got to be just like this. The goal is not to be the best. The goal is to be faithful faithful with what I've been given. Write that down and I'm going to break it down for you. The goal isn't to be better than so-and-so. Hey, I'm better at love than so-and-so. Or I'm better at faith than so-and-so. Or I serve more than so-and-so. That's not the goal. If Mother Teresa did what Billy Graham did and Billy Graham did what Mother Teresa did, both of them would not have only been unfaithful, both of them would have been outside of God's plan for their lives. And same with St. Peter and St. John. And same with St. Titus and St. Bartholomew. The goal isn't to be better. The goal is to be faithful with what God has entrusted to me. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. All of us say that we're stewards of God, servants of God. What do I want a steward. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. Not the best, but faithful. So I've been called to preach and gifted to preach, and I must be faithful with the gift to preach. Even if that means that I'm not the most um, visiting the sick person because I've been called to preach and give to, to preach and that's what God has called me to do so I've got to be faithful in that. And someone who's been called to be the visiting the sick guy, the compassion guy, be faithful in that. And someone who's been called, y'all know the famous story that we all talk about in the church about how the great Saint Macarius the Great, who was a great monk, a great monastic father, and he thought he was so great, and he said, "God, I'm the greatest, and I'm the greatest, and I'm the greatest." Not in that kind of arrogant way, but he started to think that he's the greatest. And God said, "I'm going to show you a man who's even a person who's even greater than you. Who's can be greater than me?" So he said, "I'm going to go meet some bishops and patriarchs and whatnot, some really high spiritual person." God said, took him to go visit two ladies who was married to two brothers who was doing nothing other than raising those two kids in the fear of God and taking care of their households. And God said, see, that's more spiritual. Why? Because that's faithful what they've been given. And if those two ladies said to their husbands and to their kids, I want to take care of you. I want to be like St. Anthony and pray all night. And I don't want to cook. And I don't want to clean. And I don't want to take care of nothing. I just want to pray all night. And not being faithful what God has called them to be, it's outside the will of God. God does not want us to all be the same. God does not want us to all be the same. God wants us to be faithful in what He's called us to be and what He's gifted us to be. Let me show you. How do you know that God likes variety and God likes differences? When God created the world, God made all kinds of stuff. How many kinds of trees did God make? How many kinds of animals did God make? How many different kinds of people did God make? God likes variety. So much so, something I discovered beetles. Y'all know what beetles are, right? Beetles. Little beetles. How many different species of beetles are there on the planet? Everyone guess? How many species? Beetles. The, the little funny little beetles. How many species are there? Two? Three? Four? Anyone guess? Not exactly a million, but there are 300,000 different species of beetles. 300,000 species of beetles. Like, come on, man. Like, if you're God, 50,000 would have done the trick, right? Like, you got 50,000 different kinds of beetles to play with. That's probably enough. 60, 70, 80K, something like that. But God said, no. I want to create 300,000 different kinds of little beetles. Little, you know, whatever kind of beetle, and a little something kind of beetle. God likes variety. That you're laughing because I know nothing about beetles. (laughs) Hey, the internet was down all day yesterday, okay? I'm doing the best of what I got. (laughs) I'll give you another one. And this one is fascinating. And I've told you all this one before. Snowflakes. Okay? Snowflakes. If you get a one-cubit foot of snowflakes, you know, one-cubit, like one cube, like one cubic foot. One foot by one foot by one foot. <laughs> one by one by one. Okay, so a little box like this. That cubic foot can fit approximately 18 million snowflakes. 18 million. And do you know that of all the snowflakes that you'll find on this earth, 18 million represented in this one little cubic foot. And when we had those blizzards years ago, how many millions upon millions upon millions of cubic feet of snowflakes were there? you will never find two snowflakes that are the same. What does that tell you? Either A, God is very, very bored, (laughs) or B, God likes variety. You know why I know he likes it? Because he made something variety that no one in the world will ever notice. No one will notice or care if there's different kinds of beetles or if there's different kinds of snowflakes. The only one who takes pleasure at that is God in heaven who looks down and he likes variety. He doesn't like all the snowflakes to look the same. He doesn't like all the beetles to look the same. And he doesn't want all the people in the church to look the same. He doesn't want everyone to be like me. He doesn't want everyone to be like you. He likes everyone to have their own role, their own gifts, their own own unique personality and talents. And we in the church need to stop trying to fit everyone into a mold and cookie cutter everyone and let people express the way that God has made them to be. This is something that I'm very passionate about because sometimes I feel like if you don't fall into this mold, then you're just basically excluded from being a spiritual person. At least that's what you're told. And let's be honest, that's what a lot of us were told when we were growing up. That either be, like if you were a guy, let's be honest, if you're not a deacon, then you're not anything. Okay? And if you're not teaching Sunday school, then you're worthless. Okay? But why? God didn't make everyone. Right now, I'm neither a deacon nor a Sunday school teacher. And I don't consider myself worthless. God likes variety. Two verses. Psalm 139, verse 13 and 14. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I'll go, back, go one more verse and I'll go back to that one. Job 10.8. Your hands have made me and fashioned me with an intricate unity. God doesn't do assembly line. Okay? It's not like Mr. Potato Head. Like, okay, give me all those ears. Stick all these ears on people. Stick all these. No, no, no. No Mr. Potato Head with God. Each one, God, who exists outside of time, okay, but ex- excuse my expression, took his time with each one. And he said, no, no, no. Slow down the assembly line. Now I'm going to create this boy. And I'm going to put this boy, give him this ear. Give him this nose. Give him this eyes. Give him these gifts. Give him this kind of personality. And the angel will say, no, no, no. With that personality, that he's going to struggle with this. he say, no, no, no. He's going to struggle with this, but he's going to be very successful with this. That's why I'm giving him this personality. Put him in this home with his parents. Mm, this one, that one, any, okay, this one. Make him, bo- like, God created each one, one by one. That's why I like so much this word here. says, you knit me together in my mother's womb. Y'all know what knit me, me, knit, knit, me together means? What does knit mean? Knit doesn't mean like stamping. Knit means like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> knit is like that it's a very inefficient way and thank God that God is inefficient thank God that he didn't just go like okay just give him all this personality Cover like God is not assembly line he knit me together three lessons I learned from these verses here three lessons number one I am unique I am unique you are unique there is no one in the whole wide world like me ever has been or ever will be God does not make carbon copies only originals and each one of us, when you were created, you broke the mold on God's creation. And you were the, 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 the highlight, the handiwork of God's creation. And when God made you, it was, wow, I've never seen anything like that before in the whole wide world. Go travel from all one end of the world to the other. And go find all the people in the whole wide world. You never find two people with the same thumbprint, or fingerprint, even the, the feet prints, any of that kinds of stuff. Because God made each one of us totally unique. Number two. I'm not just unique, I am wonderfully complex. I am wonderfully complex. The men are now thinking, yes, she is. And the women are thinking, yes, he certainly is. Okay? That's why I added the word wonderfully, not just saying you're complex. Because I want to get rid of the idea that your complexity is a bad thing. God is the one who said, I have made you fearfully and wonderfully made and you are wonderfully and fearfully complex. When I say complex, what that means is there's things we don't understand about ourselves. You ever done that? You ever done something? and Get back later and say, why'd I do that? You ever said something and say, where'd I come from? You ever done that? Not to your spouse, not where did that come from, but to yourself. That ever happened to you? Because we're f- wonder, fearfully and wonderfully complex. And number three, not only unique, not only wonderfully complex, but I am gifted for a purpose. Because our God is not a God of random. He's a God of order. And if he is going to make you complex, there's a purpose in it. And there's a reason why. And there's a purpose he's trying to accomplish in it. And before you existed, alright, this is a verse that I didn't bring up, it's Ephesians 2.10 where it says that before everything, before everything, before everything, God created you for good works. And God said, this person, John, I'm going to create him for this. Okay, so if I don't want him to create, do this purpose, I've got to give him this personality, I've got to give him these gifts, I've got to gift him accordingly to do this. Not vice versa. Not vice versa. Not he just gives us stuff and be like, uh, why don't you keep yourself busy with... No, it's not like that. God created you for a purpose and said to accomplish this. Like I said, Mother Teresa, I want Mother Teresa to do this. So if I want her to do this, I have to give her the gift of compassion. Because I know she's not going to be able to do this without this gift. And I have to give her a personality you all have seen the movie Mother Teresa I love Mother Teresa she was small but she was feisty she was fiery okay and she she was a dinky little lady but she could stand up some big scary thug guys so I had to give her this toughness this kind of grit inside this tiny little body so she could do this and with each one of you with each one of me and and you okay God says I want you to do this and I want you to do this and I want you to do this so I got to gift you accordingly it is time for us to discover how God has gifted us and how God has created us because in so doing we will answer one of the biggest questions that we ask all the time what's the number one biggest question that people who I don't even know want to come and ask me what's God's will Okay, what's God's will for my life so number two is who should I marry but number one is what's God's will for my life and the two are really connected aren't they <laughs> What's God's will for my life? What's God's will for my life? This job or this job or this position, this... this What's God's will for my life? Look, you want to be clue in, in God's gift, God's will for your life? My talents and my gifts help reveal God's plan for my life. That's why it's so important to know your talents and your gifts. Let me give you an example. Let's say... I say I invite Okay, your half of the room and then your half of the room. So I bring this half of the room. I say, guys, I need y'all's help. This coming Saturday, come meet me in this room. Okay, I need y'all's help, but I won't tell you what it is. And then you come in this room on Saturday and you find a bunch of brooms and dustpans. And this group, I tell you guys, I need y'all's help on the exact same day. I need you to meet me. Um. Uh, uh. In the lawn, in my lawn, my house. Okay, outside. And you come, and I'm not there. And you have a bunch of lawnmowers, and weed whackers, and shovels, and stuff. Do you think you could figure out what my will is for the day? You think it'd be hard to figure out? You think there need to be a lot of conversation back and forth? What does he want us to do? What does he want us to do? You think you can figure it out? If I can figure out what God has given me, it becomes easier to figure out what it is He wants me to do. A lot of us don't know what God wants us to do because we don't understand the gifts that he's given us. And we've never taken the time to look and see the talents and the gifts that God has given to me. So what I want to do today is I want to look at those two categories. And I'm going to break it up. Talents and gifts. And I'm going to tell you what the distinction between the two is. And I want to talk about them in general terms. But more importantly, with each one of them, at the end of them, I'm going to give you an action item of something you need to do to be able to unravel God's plan for your life through discovering your talents and your gifts, okay? Let's start first with the gifts. My spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are different than talents. Talents are natural, gifts are spiritual. When I say spiritual gifts, the same way when you were born as a human being, you were given certain abilities. Some people were born with, you know, good hearing or good eyesight or um, tall or short or whatever. You're given certain gifts. You're given muscles. You're given gifts. Same way when we are born of the Spirit, we are gifted right there on the spot. Right there. Holy Spirit comes inside. Holy Spirit, remember last week we talked about generosity and we said how God is a generous giver? Holy Spirit is a generous giver. So when He comes and lives inside you, He doesn't come empty-handed. He comes with a little gift, says, I'm coming over, I'll be hanging out for a while, so here's a gift. Okay, It's a courteous thing to do, that if I come to your house, i bring you a gift. That's the Holy Spirit. So He comes, He dwells inside you, but He brings gifts. And each one, He brings different gifts. And from the second you were born, just like when you were born physically, you didn't choose your physical gifts. You didn't choose what disabilities you may have had or what extraordinary talents you had. You don't choose your spiritual gifts. You're gifted with them right from the start. Let's take a look at these spiritual gifts. Romans 6, Romans 12, verse 6 to 8. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Again, differing. I want you to see how many times we talk about gifts. How many times the word diversity or variety or differing shows up. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Saying, I don't care what your gift is. I don't care. Whatever it is, just use it. If you're good at teaching, teach with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. If you're good at giving, give generously and cheerfully. If you're good at exhorting, learn what exhorting means and do it. (laughs) Whatever it is, the gift that you've been given, use it faithfully. I'll share about, like me, and i I have, like everyone else, the key in the gifts thing is not having either pride or fake humility, which is the same as pride, okay? So it's not thinking highly of myself, but also not thinking so insincerely low of myself that I'm really just being proud and want to say no I got nothing then you say you're great and I say okay thank you very much (laughs) so being honest so let's be honest and say I got gifts in some areas and I don't have gifts in other areas okay so I'll just share like as I look at this list this is not a comprehensive list but I look at this list like some of the things that do come natural to me okay I tend to be a leader kind of a All alright I'm the kind of guy we play softball, like, okay guys, let's go, you guys over here, and we're, like, um, that's, from when I was young, that's where I was, okay, like, to, like, I'm just, it's a natural position for me to be in, it doesn't take effort, like, I naturally gravitate, and I take control of situations. Teaching is another one that, you know, I think I'm good at teaching, one of the things that I, like, someone told me not and I appreciate it, that I have a gift, I can take complex things and make them simple, Okay, it's not a gift from God. It's not something where I say I'm the smartest guy. I actually think it's because I'm not so smart that God had to give it to me, like, dumb it down for me, and then I just open my mouth and share it with others, the dumbed down level. Those are some of my gifts. I'll tell you what's not one of the gifts of mine. Mercy. Not one of my gifts. My wife has a huge smile on her face right now. I don't know why. Not one of my gifts. Not saying that I'm exempt from showing mercy and I can just be as ruthless as I want, but I'm not a naturally compassionate, nice person. It's just not my nature. Okay? I can like I I try and I and I and I think I'm making strides in it, but it's not my nature. You know where this always becomes apparent? Whenever I have to go visit someone in the hospital, okay, I stink at hospital visits. I'm the last person you want to visit you when you're in the hospital. God has always blessed me, I've always been, I know it's funny of me to say when I'm holding this, but I've always been physically, like, like, I've never really had major injuries or diseases or sicknesses, like, thanks God, touch wood, whatever it is that you want to say, okay, like, thank God. So because of that, it's very difficult for me to relate to someone who's going through, like, pain and diseases and stuff, and I'm, like, awkward, and I'm, like, you know, like, hi, how are you? And they're, like, bad, and I'm, like, oh, sorry. Um... <laughs> And it's just this awkward, like, uh, you know, like, I'll pray for you. It's just very awkward for me, okay? Okay, and I'm just praying that the nurse comes in or someone breaks it up or I have to leave or something like... It's not one of my gifts. You don't have to be good at everything on the list. But you are good at something. And instead of being blind and not knowing, and, and let's find out what we're good at. And how about the people who are good at teaching do a lot of teaching because they're good at it and the people who are really good at visiting sick people in the hospital do a lot of that. But let's not make the sick people or the visiting the sick people do all the teaching so they don't have time to do that and then make the teaching people do all of that so they don't have time to do this. See how I'm saying? See how God wants diversity? Let me give you another picture okay, to illustrate spiritual gifts. Let's take a trip to McDonald's and we're going to go with six friends. And the six friends represent the six spiritual gifts as you see up here on the screen. Mercy, preaching, serving, teaching, giving, and administration. All right, those are gifts written in the Bible, Romans chapter 12. We're sitting there at McDonald's and I got me my milkshake, all right? And I put the milkshake right here, I turn around and the milkshake hits the floor and spills. How does each one of them respond? Mercy says what? Don't feel bad. It's okay. Could have happened to anyone. You know, it happens all the time. It's okay. Don't feel bad. Preaching says that's what happens when you're not careful. And I told you last week in this verse, in this sermon, this is what? Serving says what? Let me help you clean it up. Serving doesn't even say anything. Serving just starts cleaning. Okay? Teaching. Well, you see, the reason that it fell is because there's too much weight, too close to the edge of it. And the next time, if he had moved just a little bit over, and he gives everyone a lesson in physics. Okay? Giving? He's in line right now buying you a new one. An administration? John, you get the mop. Michael, you get some extra napkins. Uh, Sandra, you get, the, get some fries, so he whatever. Okay, Administrating and doing kinds of stuff. Have you ever noticed how we, all of us, however many people is in this room, how many people call themselves children of God, how all of us believe in the same thing, yet think so differently? think so differently you don't need to go no further than just to say who are you voting for to realize that you can have people who believe the same, we believe in one God, God the Father, but believe the same thing but to view life so differently Obamacare and um, the, this, uh, we're not getting any of that kind of stuff but I'm saying some people and the poverty, and we should help the homeless. And this one, no, no, no. We should be uh, taking care of the veterans in the war. And no, and the environment's going to go and the ozone and the stuff. And no, no, no. And what about our pets and the pets and the pets? And each one be so passionate about what they're passionate about. And other people are looking at like, who cares? Who cares? I'm not saying you're right or you're wrong. I'm saying we're different. And God wants us. You know what would happen if we all cared about, let's take the poor? Okay, the poor is a good thing to care about. But if we all cared about the poor, and nobody cared about anything else other than the poor, the poor would be great, and everything would be fantastic with the poor. But what about the sick? We all, okay, let's all care about the sick. Okay, well what about um, the environment that we live in and we give to our kids? And what, someone's gotta care about different stuff. All right, there needs to be, I know we don't like to say this, needs to be some conservative people, some liberal people. There needs to be some, some uh, uh, um, people who think about the poor, and some people who think about the foreign policy. Believe it or not, I'm going to say something, I'm going to go out on a limb here. This is against my nature. There needs to be Redskins fans and Cowboys fans. <laughs> because if there was all Redskins fans, the world would just be too good. to be like heaven, okay? <laughs> you cannot escape the diversities that God has planted in us. And instead of trying to make everyone exactly like me, I will appreciate the diversity in others, and I will find my gifts and be the best in the world at my gifts. Be faithful to what God has given me. Another verse. Again, look at the word that's repeated over and over. Now this is a totally different chapter in the Bible. That was Romans 12. This is 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4 to 11. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Again, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one. The gift you were given was given for the profit of all. So the guy who cared about the sick could care about all the sick even though you don't care about the sick. You may have a sick relative and you're thankful that guy cares about the sick. But for me, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To an To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same spirit. To another, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Look, it is very, very, very clear when you look in the Bible that there are differences that God made in us and we need to stop repressing them and start allowing people to express their natural God-given gifts that God has given to them. What does that mean for me and you? With each of these, like I said, we have an action item. What do I want you to do with your spiritual gifts? Very simple. I want you to discover your spiritual gifts. I want you to discover it. I want you to think, and think a little bit deeper than Mr. Simpson is thinking here on the screen, okay, about what it is that you are good at, all right, and what it is that you enjoy doing. Your spiritual gifts are the things that come naturally to you. And the things that you think, hey, I'm good at this. I, I, I'm fruitful in this area. This is something that I enjoy doing. There's a lot of things I don't enjoy doing. I see that as a priest. As a priest, the best and the worst thing about being a priest is there's no job description. That's the best thing and it's the worst thing. Because it's like basically you have do everything or you do nothing and somewhere in between everything and nothing. So there's things that are part of the job that I like and that I'm, I'm good at. And there's other parts that I'm not really so good at. And it's probably those things that I'm not so good at that I'll probably ask you, hey, do you mind giving me a hand with? Okay, because that's how the body of Christ is supposed to work. Not every, and not every piece, priest is supposed to be good at the same thing. Not every priest is good at the same thing. Everyone is different. That's why churches are different. That's why not every church needs to look the same. Because some churches, the, the priest and he's evangelism and evangelism and evangelism, so that church may be a very evangelistic church. Another church may be very much into, into serving, like I said, the poor, or the children, or whatever. Which one's a better church? None of the better church. The goal is that the churches are balanced, okay, and that we're all fulfilling the purpose that God has for us. Like I said, with this particular church, I believe God has called us to great things. Like I told you guys, the mission of this church is not just to do church. The fact that we have church doesn't mean that we're successful in our mission. Our mission, it, we exist to transform lives in the DC metropolitan area, through an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ based on the life and teaching of the Orthodox faith. That's our mission statement. God has called us something very specific. I want you to discover what your spiritual gifts are and then to use them to serve God. 1 Corinthians 12.1 Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be Ignorant. I don't want you to copy spiritual gifts I don't want you to copy and paste spiritual gifts I don't want you to choose the spiritual gifts that you think are the most spiritual like get rid of those unspiritual ones and just do the most spiritual I want you to discover the gifts that God has put inside you. I'm not saying today by the end of this meeting okay what I'm saying is I want this to be something that you pray about something that you think about if God has given you the gift you're an organizing kind of a person. There's a spiritual gift of an organizing administration. I want you to use that gift to be an organizing person for the glory of God. Teaching, teach. Music, music. Sing. Teach others how to sing. Play. Whatever it is. How do you discover your gifts? How? That's what am I supposed to do? Of course there's those like online tests that you can take. And those are great. But like there was a way to discover gifts before there was the internet okay so how, how do we discover our gifts I always said the two things that you do examine and experiment examine and experiment examine means look back and see like I said you know what three or four years ago I did the summer camp thing and I was like working with kids I was actually pretty good at that I never thought I'd be good with kids but I'm actually I was pretty good at it and I enjoyed it like it didn't it didn't bother me as much as I thought so hey you know what Maybe you're good with kids. And maybe even though you don't think you're good with kids, you don't got kids, maybe you're good with kids. And maybe you would like to try something in like our children's program. And I need a volunteer or something like that. Or maybe you think to yourself, you know what? I, I'm not like a preacher or anything like that, but like I went on these mission trips, and I feel like, you know what? I feel like I want to reach people with the gospel. Like I want people to know Christ. So you know what? Maybe you got the gift of evangelism, but it's just kind of buried in there. We just need to dig it out and kind of. Fine tune some stuff and adjust some stuff. Maybe you got that gift. Look back and see what it is you're good at, what it is you enjoy, what it is you bear fruit. Examine. Examine and experiment. Meaning there's got to be some trial and error. There's got to be some trial and error. If you'd have told me 11 years ago, back before I became a priest, hey, you, you, me, who is not very sociable, Who's not very public speaking, all that kind of stuff? Like I'm, I was a computer guy. I sit in front of a computer. I want to be a technical guy, not because I like doing technical stuff, because I dislike dealing with people. Okay, irony of ironies. Okay, if you'd have told me, hey, you're going to deal with people every single day for the rest of your life, you're going to speak in front of hundreds and hundreds of people, I'd have said, yeah, right. My college buddies would have said, yeah, right. They'll take those bets. My Sunday school teacher, Uncle McCary, would have said, yeah, 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 right. No way. But sometimes you just got to be thrown out there and you got to try stuff. And you realize, okay, like, hey, you know what? Maybe I got some gifts here after all. And sometimes you're going to try and realize, that you know what? I was right. I'm not gifted in this area. But you know what? That's how it works. Like you got to try. There's nothing wrong with a little trial and error. Who was it that said? Uh was it? A no, I don't think it was a famous person. It was something. Okay. He said, I didn't fail I'm learning how to succeed. Is that right? Is that a famous quote, or that's not a famous quote? That's not a famous quote. Okay, that's something that I read the other day. Who? A wise man man once said. Okay, that all those years of failure weren't failure. Oh, it was a football coach. It was a football coach. Okay, basketball coach? Who was it? Oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay yeah. It was Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah yeah yeah. okay. A wise man once said. Okay. A wise man once said is that we didn't lose, we're just learning how to win. Okay, And I like that. That's a good analogy. That I'm not, when I try and I fail, I'm not failing. I'm just learning what I'm good at. And I've got to check one off the list of I'm not good at this. Okay, so I'm doing the process of elimination to see what my gifts might be. The point is, there's no such thing as failure when it comes to spiritual gift experimentation. Because you're only getting closer and closer what God has gifted you with. Okay? so spiritual gifts discovery it's more about examining it's about experimenting it's about praying it's about knocking trusting that he'll open and seeking seek, and trusting that you'll find more than it is about online tests okay the online tests I'm not against them but what I'm saying is like sometimes the spirit of God will convict you in a way that the test didn't get you okay and what are those online tests they're just things that, if they're free online tests like you get what you pay for okay so I'm not against the online tests but don't just do online tests all right? trust the spirit of God more than you trust a Google web search All right? next that's spiritual gifts, now let's go to my talents and my abilities every single one of us has natural bodily talents and abilities All right? this is me when I was younger right? <laughs> some people can jump higher than others some people can sing better than others Some people can run faster. Some people are analytical mind. Some people are good with numbers. Some people are good with words. Some people are good talking. These are natural gifts and abilities that some people are just born with. I have a quote, and this one I I highlighted here. Okay, I'm gonna totally mess this one up, but again, this is because I didn't have access to the internet, okay? Because I I read this cool quote on Twitter, and I just couldn't get to the internet. My internet was down all day yesterday, so I'm sorry, but I'll, I'll get it there eventually. He was saying, he was talking about diversities of gifts and he said something to the effect of a fish is an expert unless you ask him to climb a tree. Something like that, something along those lines. Okay, Einstein said that? Boom, look at that, I got thunder over here and I got Einstein over here, that's great. This is great, you guys are my Google checking thing. Okay, So is that how he said it or was a little bit different? was something along those lines. Like a fish is a 10 unless you ask him to climb a tree. Okay, Meaning that we're all experts perfect, just not at everything, but at something you're really, really good at. And if you just realize what you're really, really, really good at, and you work on that area, you're better than me at, and you fill in the blank. The key to your natural gifts and abilities is not discovering them, because I believe that you did discover them. The key is consecrating them, consecrating them. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31 says, Whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. There is not a gift that you can't do for God's glory. This quote, I got this one. This is Reggie White, the former minister of defense, one of the greatest uh, NFL football players of all time, who also was a Baptist minister and then played football as well. And he used to say, he wrote a book. It was called, I Hit Hard for the Glory of God. Yeah, Reggie White was a monster. Like, Reggie White used to tear quarterbacks' heads off. Like, he, was, he was one of the most like, ferocious defenders of all time. And he said, I hit hard for the glory of God. I love that. I don't believe there's anything that you can't do for the glory of God. If you are an accountant, you'll be an accountant for the glory of God. If you're a doctor, you be a doctor for the glory of God. If you sing, you sing for the glory of God. If you play basketball, you play basketball for the glory of God. There's nothing you can't do for the glory of God. When you consecrate it, because who gave you the gift to play basketball? Who gave you the gift to sing? Who gave you the mind to do accounting? God is the one who gave it to you. How about making money? Can I make money for the glory of God? Oh yeah, absolutely. And We love people who make money for the glory of God. (laughs) Those are our, our, one of our favorite people around here. Look at this verse, Deuteronomy eight eighteen. It says, You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power to get wealth. Getting wealth is not against God. It's what you do with the wealth. Another quote. It is not a sin to live rich. It is a sin to die rich. You like that one? That's a good one. That's one that's worth writing down. It, that's a tweet one. Okay, You can tweet that one. Okay? <laughs> It is not a sin to live rich. It is a sin to die rich. It is not sin to gain wealth. It is God who has given us the ability to be doctors. And some of you are doctors who make... That's great. That's the best thing in the world. Use the gift that God has given you to acquire wealth. And then use that wealth to glorify God. And like I said, I said this last week, that you're going to get to the kingdom of heaven one day. And someone's going to say to you, Hey, you. You are a reason that I'm here. And say, how? Because you gave to this mission. And that mission sent someone to outreach my mother. And my mother taught me Christianity. Or you built the church that where I found Christ, or whatever it is, whatever gift you have, you consecrate it for the glory of God. Practically, how? You're a businessman, you're a salesman, you're a, whatever it is that you are in your profession, you're best at something. How practically? I thought of several, several ways here, okay? How practically you consecrate your gifts for the glory of God? Number one is you're thankful for them and you recognize where they came from. And you attribute all the gifts to God and you realize that in one second God can take away that gift. So that's doctor, that's sales, and that's computer, whatever. You attribute them to God. Number two, you behave and you act ethically and morally in everything that you do with that gift. Okay, You don't use it to step on... The end does not justify the means, in other words. That you behave morally and ethically in use of that gift, whether it's to acquire wealth or whatever it may be. Number three... You give glory back to God through whatever benefit that wealth, that, that gift gets you, like financial, you give back to God through tithing and through generosity like we talked about last week. And lastly, this is the one that I really want you to pray about, is you consecrate that gift to God by offering it back to further His mission on earth. That one's vague. That one's vague. How if I am... Like we can start Easy. How if I am a doctor? Can I use that gift for christ 's mission? Easy, you go on a medical mission. You serve in a clinic that serves uh, people without insurance. all kinds of ways. Can okay, you help people out you know in any way that you can someone 's sick and they c- you help people out you 're a um, um, i don 't know i 'll tell you about me okay i 'll just again I was a consultant all right and a consultant I was an i t consultant and I remember. I was on a project, I was started on a project for Freddie Mac, alright, this was like near the end of my career and they put me on a project for Freddie Mac, and I hated it. And I went to another project on the Department of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms, ATF, and I was actually downtown here. I was actually working on a system that at the time was really, really big, and of course I was the schmuck at the bottom of the totem pole, but a system, okay, which at the time was President uh, Bush, spoke about in one of his things to Congress about we need to invest in this system because it's going to help get bad guys off the streets. Basically it was something that when bullets are found at a crime scene to trace it back to who bought the gun, all this kind of stuff. I did the exact same thing on both projects but on the ATF project I felt much, much better about what I was doing and I was much more motivated. Because I felt like this is benefiting the world in some greater sense. This, I'm just letting rich people get richer and at my expense and I'm helping rich people get richer. I'm not saying anything about you if you work at Freddie Mac. I hope no one works at Freddie Mac. I'm not saying anything about... But I'm saying for me, I felt, okay, my gift here, I hate it. My gift here, I love it. That's what I'm saying. Whatever gift you have, use it to further God's mission. You want me to tell you what I believe? One of the things that I believe is that this church, like I said before, has a great mission. A huge mission. And the people... Let me say it better. The gifts needed to accomplish that mission are right here. They're right here. I believe that. Not here. Here's some of them. But the complete picture is right here. And all that God wants to accomplish, the gifts are right here. Whether it's the gift of hospitality, whether it's the gift of compassion, whether it's the gift of giving, the gift of administration, the gift of accounting. The gift of setting uping, <laughs> Whatever the gift that is needed for this church to do what it needs to do, I believe is right here today. And it's just a matter of opening inside, discovering it, and then consecrating it back to God. I want you to ask yourself these two questions. Number one, why has God brought me to this church? And number two, how could what I have to offer make a difference in this church? A, or one, why did God bring me here? And two, what does my skill set have to offer to this church? And again, I'm not just saying about the church because, I'm just saying about church because this is my church. I'm saying if you're from another church or visiting, ask the same question to your church back home. You're from New York, you're from Los Angeles, ask it for your church back home. Ask it for your community, wherever it is that you are. I'm not just saying greedily right here. Of course, we wouldn't argue, okay? But... What I'm saying is in a greater sense, why God has put you where you are and what you have to offer, how can it be beneficial wherever it is that you are? Look, this concept of faithful stewardship, I hope you take it seriously. And I hope you don't make light of this. Because God takes this very seriously. Christianity is not... About consuming, it's about contributing. Someone was asking me the other day. There's a group of us. And we were talking about one of the big things that is on my agenda for the summer is defining what it means to be a member of the church. How do you define membership? What does that mean? Am I a member of this church? Different people say different things as membership. Some churches say just get baptized; that makes you a member. Some say no, you have to be serving. Some say no, you have to be giving. Some say no, you have to be for so many years. What does it mean to be a member? And I don't have the answer to that question, so I don't have the faintest idea. That's something that hopefully God will reveal and we'll kind of discuss it together. And What does it mean to be a member of the church? But I'll tell you one thing that I already figured out in my head and we were discussing the other night, is there's a difference, regardless of what the terminology we use, between what we call, what we think of as a member versus the contributing member. And a lot of people who call themselves members of the church are consuming members, but not contributing members and to me, a real member is not a consumer only, but a contributor. And you're not a real member of the house of God until you're a contributing member, not just a consuming. Because look, in my household, we got members. And each one of those members, no matter how little they are to the ground, they have something they need to contribute. Even from a young age, we teach them the principle. Even if their contribution is minimal, and even if it's something that's not going to bring much value, even if I've got to redo it, I've got to teach them the principle that to be a member of this household, you got to be a contributor. You're not just here for a free ride. You're not just here to consume and take, 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 take and listen, 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 listen. You're here to consume and then back to contribute. Which one are you going to be? A spiritual consumer or a spiritual contributor? I want to leave you all with this story from Matthew 25, a parable that you all know very well. parable of the talents. Look, we don't know a lot of things about Judgment Day. There's a lot of things we do not know. But there are certain things that we do know. And one of the parables that speaks about the judgment day, as bluntly as as it can be, as blunt as it can be, is this parable of the talents in Matthew 25 about a man who had some servants, and he gave them some talents. He gave them stuff, and then he left for a long, 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 long time. And then he came back, and he asked them, what did you do with the talents that I left you? Let's pick up the story here, Matthew 25, 14 kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on a journey. Diversity of talents, one five, one two, one one. God may not be equal, but he's fair, but he gives diversity of talents. Goes on a trip. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents saying Lord you delivered to me five talents look I have gained five more talents beside them best verse in the Bible his Lord said to him well done good and faithful servant if that word faithful again you were faithful over a few things I will make you ruler over many things enter into the joy of your Lord like I said judgment day I don't have all the answers but here's what I do know when you get to the judgment day you will stand before the throne of God and God will ask you What did you do with what I gave you? I gave my only begotten son that you should not perish but have everlasting life. What did you do with him? I gave you the church, the church, the one holy Catholic, apostolic, orthodox church of God. What did you do with it? I gave you your family. I gave you this. I gave you that. And then he's going to say, I gave you these gifts. I gave you these talents. What did you do with it? I didn't bring the rest of the story, there's one guy who did nothing with it. He got one, he did nothing, he said, I only got one dinky little talent. He did nothing. I won't tell you how the story ends for him, but I'll give you a hint. Weeping and gnashing of teeth is how it ends. This is serious business, that's what I'm saying. We don't know everything, but we do know there's going to be a final exam on the last day. And the question is going to be, you received A, what did you do with A? You received B. What did you do with me? This verse. If you attend prayer meetings with me, you'll oftentimes hear me pray this verse. Because I love this verse. This verse is the reason why I get out of bed in the morning a lot of times. This verse pushes me. This verse, you know when someone is like running or exercising like that, pushing, this pushes me to hear those words. I don't care what you say, I don't care what anyone says. I don't care if I'm rich. I don't care if I'm famous. I don't care if I'm... I don't care. But I want to get to the end and I want to look at God and I want God to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. Now be made ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And I don't want to hear that for me. I want to hear that for each and every single one of you. And I hope you want to hear that as well. Because when you really think about those words, there's nothing sweeter in the whole wide world. Meditate on those words tonight before you go to bed. Say, God... I just want to hear this. What do you want me to do today so I can hear this verse? It's a very sweet thought. Let's stand up for a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, the thought of you standing before us saying these sweet words well done good and faithful servant Lord there's nothing more that we want in this world all of us Lord are saying it's not the money that we want it's not the fame that we want it's nothing that we want Lord we just want that sweet 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 voice of yours telling us well done Lord I pray with all my heart that you would let us to really see the gifts and the talents that you have given us and let us to see the things which maybe our eyes can't see on the surface give us like courage to look deep and to, to, to experiment to see what it is that you gifted us with and what it is that you want us to do in your plan for our lives Lord I know that the, the talents and the gifts inside this room be like a spiritual explosion over Arlington it would be like the tidal wave that we keep talking about everyone's gifts and talents are like working in the same line together and we're like one body and one team. Lord, I pray for that, that one day we really will be one body and one spirit united perfectly in you. Help us all to see your plan for us, Lord, and give us to be like diligent in discovering those gifts and pursuing them and not ignorant about them. Pray this in the name of your only begotten Son with the intercessions and the prayers of all your saints. Hear us, Lord, as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil one. Through Christ Jesus our Lord, thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.